Hello and welcome to the Anchor Sunday Sermons podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Sunday sermons here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. We are very close. And obviously, with all that's going on, more and more pressure is going to be put on us to compromise. More and more pressure to, to conform to what the government wants us to do. And so here we are in Exodus 32 at a critical time in our lives, as, which was a critical time in Israel's life, as they had compromised by making the golden calf. Aaron, Aaron uh, had led them into doing this along with the, the pressure that was put on him. And now we've been studying how Aaron compromised, how Israel's compromised, but we're going to study now the consequences of that compromise. And it's a very lengthy passage that we have to do. We'll have to break it up in two parts. We're going to look at first Aaron and the problem that it created for him, and then we're going to look for Israel later on next week and see what problems it caused for Israel. So let me state this at the outset. What Israel did by creating a golden calf was apostatize. Believers can't apostatize. It's Calvinism that teaches that believers can't apostatize, but they can. That's why there's five warnings in the book of Hebrews that warns believers that if you defect and go back into Judaism, which was the the situation in Hebrews, you will apostatize, and the penalty for this is that you will lose earthly blessings and you will lose eternal rewards. You won't lose salvation, because salvation is secure in your position in Christ, but apostasy creates a loss of temporal blessings and eternal rewards. And then what it happens to the individual who compromises, it starts a defilement inside their soul once they start down that path. I'm going to show you what it did to Aaron as an example of this. But here it is for you and I, we're being threatened to go along with the government, go along with mandates. And don't think the the bioengineer jab is the only thing you're going to have to face. There's more mandates coming. The G20 is meeting in Glasgow right now to figure out how to implement you and I to pay taxes towards solving the global climate uh, existential threat, as Biden said. We're going to reshape our economy to do a whole overload uh, uh, of the free market system to bring it towards helping the planet. Other things are coming your way. Other things like rationing of health care, rationing of food, digital dollar, you will one day see if we're not raptured anytime soon. They're wanting to implement it now. In fact, right now, they want to implement India's and Har system that has 1.3 billion people on the system that controls the buying and selling of the individual. And Bill Gates and the rest of the globalists want this to be put on the United States and Canada and every Western society. You know what happened with Andhar's uh, system with India? They have food rations. So there's no cash that's being exchanged in India. So if you want your, your, your daily 25 kilos per month of rice, you have to flash your biometric digital passport or whatever you want to call it, digital wallet, and then it gives you your rations. Guess what happened? The system didn't recognize a lot of people, 
And so the person and the people couldn't get their rations, so they starved to death. Do they care if they starve to death? They don't care. But see, they want to implement that system now. That's what they're talking about right now. So even though we're facing mandates from the government about this crazy jab, more is coming. They want to limit how many kids you can have. That's a new thing because we're overpopulated. So imagine them telling you, if you're a young couple right now, hey, man, you're going to be limited to one kid like China or two kids or whatever they come up with. See, we're facing a period of time unprecedented. It's persecution, but they're saying, look, comply with us and you'll get your little life back. You'll get your job back. You won't lose your job. Your kids will be able to go to school if you just comply with us and do what we tell you to do. Don't go to a board meeting, they say, and, and, and threaten us uh, that you're against critical race theory. And don't threaten us that with the transgender movement that we're pushing on your kids, teaching your kindergartner how to cross-dress and maybe think he's a girl when he's a boy and vice versa. Don't threaten us because we'll call the DOJ, we'll call the attorney general, and we'll sick the FBI on you, you you parents who want to threaten us and what we teach your kids. All that is happening, guys. And so right now, we have to stand strong. That's how we learned uh, a couple weeks ago with what Aaron and children of Israel doing are doing. But what I want to show you now is if compromise happens, what does it do to per- the person? What you already know is out there in Christendom, they're already compromising. They already have compromised on gay marriage. They've already compromised. They have lesbian and transgender pastors now. They've already compromised. And the congregations just allow it. Already, pastors are getting up there saying, you need to be vaccinated. Already, they have compromised on this. And what? so what does it do to them? Let's follow this. Let's see what happens. And let's apply it to ourselves so we don't ever, ever compromise with this sick world. Let's start in in Exodus 32, verse 7, where we left off. And the Lord said to Moses, go, get down. For your people, notice the test there, your people, not my people. Now, there's a test for Moses' leadership. So there's two narratives going on in the story. First is a test for Moses and then the consequences for Israel and Aaron, okay? So I want you to see the dynamic as it plays out in both aspects. God, Yahweh, is saying, Moses, go down to your people. It's a test to Moses. And we always do this on purpose. Whom you brought out of the land of Egypt. Wait a second. I thought Yahweh brought him out of the land of Egypt. But Yahweh is saying this to Moses. Again, it's a test. Your people that you brought out. Now, it's not God passing the buck. It's a test for Moses. We'll get to that in just a bit. Just keep this in mind, okay? <clears throat> for whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. That's the key verse in the whole passage. Have corrupted themselves. How did they corrupt themselves? By creating an idol, by creating the golden calf. So what happens is they have compromised. They have apostatized. This is the quintessential example in the Bible of apostasy. Okay, this is it. That's what the writer of Hebrews will use when he writes his letter to the the Hebrews who are planning to defect from Christ and go back into Judaism to escape persecution. That was the whole reason why they were defecting is wanting to escape persecution, so they compromised. Anyway, the idea of corrupting themselves is that when a believer compromises, 
gives in to this world, starts following the practices of the world. Well, you know, I'll just turn a blind eye to gay marriage. I'll just turn a blind eye to this whole uh, drag queen story hour that happens in the, in the, in, you know, in the, in the libraries. You know, it's just the signs of the times, and what can I do? When the person starts doing that, they actually start corrupting themselves because you start living by a lie. That's what starts happening. And then look what Yahweh says. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. How quickly was it? Three months out of Egypt, and they're already turning on Yahweh like a sheep-killing dog. Already turned on him. That quick? Yeah, that quick. You're one generation away from apostasy. That's how it is. Just one generation. So the principle is compromise corrupts big time. Now, let me show you an example out of society. Okay, so let me show you an example out of society so you can see how our society has been corrupted by compromise. So America, as you know, based on Judeo-Christian values, used to say that homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism is wrong. In fact, the American Psychiatric Association said it was a mental illness. You remember that? And then they had to change their tune because of the pressure from the LGBT mafia put on them. Remember that? Okay, so look what's happening. In every sector of society, in entertainment, politics, whatever, and now in comic books, they have went completely woke. They have completely now transformed uh, Superman from, from, remember the saying of Superman? Uh, Truth, justice, and the American way? Well, because these communists hate America and that they teach our kids to hate America, right? In the colleges, universities, and the public schools. So now Superman has to become a globalist all of a sudden. So now it's truth, justice, and a better world. Doesn't that sound like Bill Gates? Doesn't that sound like the Babylon system? Now, by the way, Superman had a, a boy too, and DC Comics exploited that too. So now Superman's uh, son is full-blown full gay, bisexual, whatever. So DC Comics is putting them out. And his new boyfriend is a guy with pink hair, and he, they force that on people. And you say, well, wh what's your point? My point is, look at every sector of society that has been defiled. It's not just Hollywood. It's not just the media. It's even down to comic books. It's down to children's books that they give in public schools for the teachers to read. The children are learning about transgenderism, and there's stuff uh, that school boards are allowing. And guys, I can't even repeat what they're allowing, what you find out in the library. And the school board says, oh, I don't know how that got in there. I, I can't repeat it because it's, it's so, so bad. This is what's happening. Now, you think, well, Brandon, it, it can't permeate down to even candy bars, can it? Yeah, it can permeate the candy bars. You know what Twix, Twix did? I want you to watch this video. You will be blown away by what you see. Now, it should come as a shock, but you should say, well, I should expect that. Yeah, because it's down to defiling the entire culture. Are you serious? So we're going to promote cross-dressing with children, transgenderism, and then we're going to back it up by an occultist protecting the transgender. I mean, that's evil, guys. I, mean, I, I, I can't imagine that I would see this in my lifetime. But here we are. This is, what's hap this is what happens when a society corrupts. Now, just on a, 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 a corporate level, 
Twix did this because they compromised with the transgender agenda. That's why. See, see, now Twix has given into it, and now they have defiled themselves, and they're producing cartoons or, or sorry, uh, videos like this for commercials. That's what I'm talking about. Once you compromise, you start corrupting yourself. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who got put in the gulag, and he was in the Russian jail for, for, they were just putting everybody in jail. But when he got out, he said this. His words are very important uh, when he got out of this jail. Live not by lies. The simplest, the most accessible key to our liberation, our freedom, okay, is to not live by lies. A personal non-participation in lies. Never knowingly support lies. See, that's what happens in compromise. The person knows it's a lie, knows they shouldn't be doing it, and then goes ahead and does it in order to get something out of the compromise. But when you live a lie, you will corrupt yourself. If you believe the lie that the vaccine saves you, you will end up corrupting yourself. It will cause problems in you, physically, mentally, emotionally, all those kinds of things. Guys, we just can't support lies. When they say there's 52 genders, you can't support that. You can't go along with that. You have to say, no, not happening. And if you lose your job, if you lose your money, you lose your position, that's better than losing temporal blessings and eternal rewards. I can tell you that. The seriousness of apostasy, of what's happening here, I have to bring to your attention. We have to see how serious this is with God. First of all, Israel had made a blood oath. They had, they had sworn oath to God at Sinai, and it was called the Mosaic Covenant. And then what a blood oath means is that I, if I don't keep my part of the bargain, the other party has the right to kill me. That's what a blood oath is in the Bible. The second thing is, is the breaking of the second commandment. You should not make a graven image. But Deuteronomy points out that if, if someone is an idolater or causes other people to, to who worship idols, they are to be stoned to death. And it says, don't even have sympathy on it. Even if it's your family, Deuteronomy says, do not have sympathy on it. You must eradicate idolatry out of the nation of Israel. Now, again, that's Old Testament times. But what does that mean for us today? Well, in the church, we don't have capital punishment, obviously. But it's still at that level of seriousness. This is why the writer of Hebrews will say, if you cross a line into apostasy and you compromise, you're not coming back. And what that means is this. It doesn't mean you can't get forgiveness. It means that you're going to lose things. You're going to lose who you are. You're going to defile yourself. You will lose blessing. You will lose rewards. And you can't get them back. That's the problem with apostasy. That's what he tells the writer, uh, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews tells the Jews that wanted to apostatize back into Judaism to escape persecution. Let's continue on. Look, notice what Yahweh says, and in the things I've underlined, there's a successive progression here. They have made themselves a molded calf. This is Yahweh talking to Moses. And worshipped it, number two, and sacrificed to it, number three, and said, four, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, let's break this down. They had made themselves a molded calf, God says. So basically what he is telling Moses, hey, they just created their own God. That's what he's saying. 
these people created their own God in their own image that allows them to do whatever they want to do. See, that's the essence of paganism. Paganism just creates gods that allows them the freedom to participate in what they want to participate in. And this is what happens even in Christendom. People have versions of Jesus, versions of God that are not even biblical. And their version of Jesus allows them to do like rank sin, black and white stuff that, that the Bible said that's forbidden. They would say, oh no, you know, my Jesus, he allows me to do this. This is part of the hyper grace movement that they can do anything they want and they'll say, oh, it's all under the blood. Oh, it's all under grace. Hey, you don't think there's consequences to acting like that? You're out of your mind. What Bible are you reading? Oh, that's right. They don't read the Bible. Sorry. Um, anyway, they say, and they say they worshiped it. God says they worshiped it. What it means is that in the Hebrew, they actually bow down to it in worship. Now, that's interesting because the bowing down means that the person is submitting to that authority. So when, when God says, don't bow down to an idol, he says, don't submit to that idol's authority. Submit to my authority. And so isn't it funny how Israel doesn't want to bow a knee to God under his authority and keep his laws and rules, but in essence bows down to another idol. Now, here's the thing. Eternity is put in the heart of the believer. In every person, by the way, beyond believers, everybody has a sense of religion in them that they want to worship. The key is to worship the right being, God. But here's the deal. If you do not worship the right person, God, you will worship the creation or figments of your imagination. You will bow down to somebody. So the Bible's trying to say bow down and submit to God's authority. Otherwise, you will submit to other people's authority or idols' authority. That's what happened here. And then he says they sacrificed to it. What does that mean? Well, the, in the pagan world, what you would do is you would sacrifice to an idol to get something in return. So that's why they sacrificed to him. It was a give-to-get situation. Not so with Yahweh. Yahweh, you sacrifice to cover your sins, and the ultimate sacrifice would be the Messiah who took away our sins. But then now Paul says that we're living sacrifices, right? Which means that this, we are sacrificing our lives not to get something from God, but in return for gratitude for what he has done for us. That's why we sacrifice our lives or become a living sacrifice. But see, the moment that person changes it, well, I will do this if God will give me this, is nothing but paganism. That's what they're doing, give to get. So a lot of people serve Messiah for what's on the master's table rather than for the master. That's what the Word of Faith movement does. I'm going to give to get. I'll do this for Jesus, and hopefully he'll make me rich. Hopefully he'll make me healthy. Hopefully he'll make my life go better. Nuh-uh, that's paganism. Mm -mm. Can you request things to God? Of course you can. But we're not doing sacrifices in order to get something from him. That's not how it works. But that's what they're doing. And then the last thing, this is your God, O Israel, that you brought out of the land of Egypt. Yahweh says, look, they don't accept my presence. They would rather have a golden calf. What is this about? God is invisible because he's spirit. And the way he visibly manifested to Israel is with the Shekinah glory. Now, the Shekinah glory veils Israel seeing the divine essence. Okay? And so God would wrap himself in light, wrap himself in fire, wrap himself in a pillar of cloud. That's how you saw that the, the very presence of Yahweh was there. But it's still 
shielded them from seeing Yahweh. Why? Because if they saw him in his essence, it would literally kill them because he's so holy. Okay? So they would rather have a golden calf than the Shekinah glory. Why? Because when you're worshiping the invisible God, it requires that you have faith. When you worship an idol, there's no faith because you're seeing the idol right in front of you. And so this is why they gravitated to the idol because faith was too hard for them. It's hard to believe in Jesus that you have never seen. because that. And so he told Doubting Thomas, Thomas, yeah, you've seen me, but blessed are those who don't see me and yet believe, right? So that's, that's, a, that's a, the issue of faith. That's what we live by, right? So he parses this out for Moses and says, this is what's going on, dude. So what did it demonstrate? They made it a God like, like uh, they wanted to. You can see Psalm 2 talk about this from the world. Let us break the chains of, of the father and his son. Let's, breast, let's, let's get out of the, bound, the bonds of their restraint. This is what the world's doing, but this is what Israel did. They didn't want the limitations and the boundaries that God put on them. This is what our society is. They want to do anything they feel like doing. This is the problem. And that's what's being celebrated, which is the first tenet of Satanism. Two, they were worldly believers who looked to the world to get their blessing, to get their provision and save them. So let me show you how it works. The reason they created a golden calf because they had the idea coming from Egypt. That's an apis bull. That's only comes from Egypt. So they created a bull. And in Egypt, typology is a symbol of the world. So when you do the math and you, you link these two together, what it is saying is these are worldly believers. This is what worldly believers do. Worldly believers compromise with the world. They want to get along with the world. They fear man rather than God. And so that's what the whole bull represents, is it represents a lot of the world in them. And lastly, I want to point this out, they defaulted their old ways. So, like, if you read 2 Peter chapter 1, what he's going to say is, like, man, if you don't grow, if you don't mature, if you don't get conformed to the image of Christ, and you stay stuck, the problem will happen is you'll actually experience spiritual blindness, myopathy, myopathy, uh, I can't even say the word, myopathy, uh, am I saying it right? Myopathy. Myopathy. Did I say it right? Myopathy. Tongue-tied. He goes, you'll go blind and experience myopathy, and then what will happen is you will actually regress back into your old life. You will start doing the things default that you used to do to manage your life, and you'll actually go backwards rather than forward. And that's why the writer of Hebrews will say, hey, look, if you're not going forward, you're actually going backwards. And this is what they did. They defaulted back to what they would have done in Egypt. That's totally what happened to them. So like John Oswald said, he said they showed themselves to still be Egyptian Israelites rather than Yahweh's Israelites. A lot of Egypt, a lot of the world in them. Okay, let's move on. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff neck. Now that's a Hebraism or a Jewish idiom for saying a stubborn oppositional individual. But really, if you boil it down, it means an individual that won't submit to the authority of Yahweh. That's what being stiff-necked means, okay? Now, therefore, let me alone, let that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make you a great nation. Notice the test in there in that last phrase, I will make you a great nation. We'll start this whole thing over again. 
We'll, I'll kill every one of them, and Moses will start the new nation with you. How's that sound, Moses? Again, test, test, test. Look at the term, let me alone. Okay, your English is not breaking this down. It's another Hebrew idiom. And what it's trying to say is, it's a test for Moses, and what, how you should, should interpret it is this. I'm going to destroy all of them if someone doesn't intervene. If someone doesn't become an inter intermediary, I'm going to destroy them. So is, who's going to step up and ask for forgiveness for them? You see the test in there for Moses? Otherwise, I'm going to kill him. That's what he means by that. So the test for Moses is opportunism. Opportunism is a very evil thing. Okay? And, and basically, opportunism is the test of, uh, of whether or not someone will take advantage of someone's misfortune or manufactured misfortune. Will they take advantage of that? So when you see these politicians today take advantage of people because of their, their misfortune, then you know they're evil. And so this is the test of leadership. And most of our politicians are like this, right? But let's get specific to Moses before we move on. Is he going to be loyal to the Abrahamic covenant? He seems to be, right? But we'll see. Will Moses turn this to his advantage and say, yeah, you're right. Kill them all and start with me. Will Moses recognize the Israelites are God's people and not his? Remember the whole time Yahweh is saying, your people in whom you, you delivered out of Egypt. That was a test. Will Moses concede that these are God's people, not his? And lastly, is he concerned about God's reputation instead of his own? And what do you mean by that? Well, here's the thing about compromise. When the person compromises, especially a believer, what they, what they don't realize is they may be maintaining their own reputation. Well, man, I'm just going to go along to get along. I don't want to be looked at as a super spreader. I don't want to be looked at as, as homophobic. I don't want to be looked at as a racist or xenophobic or whatever. I don't want to lose my reputation. But when they do that, they are bringing a disrepute to God's reputation. Because the person who is a believer is representing Jesus. That's why they're called a Christian. And they represent as an image bearer the Messiah. But when the world sees an image bearer that bears the name of the Messiah cave in, it actually causes Yahweh to lose reputation with the world. And how is it lost? Aha, your believers don't even follow you. They follow Satan. They follow the world. So your believers are not even loyal to you. So what kind of God are you if your own believers don't obey you? You see how that works? It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a satanic temptation to do that, thinking, well, I'm going to preserve my, my reputation, but you end up affecting God's. That's what the test for Moses is, is whether or not he worries about God's reputation. This is what we call your witness, your witness for the Lord, right? That's That's... That's what we're talking about. Okay, this is key. So let's watch how it plays out. Now, here's in the, in the real world, as far as out there in the world we're dealing with, these are the opportunists. And there's more, obviously. But these big three right now are operating as the biggest opportunists I've ever seen. Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, and Fauci. And like I mentioned before, I think I mentioned this, but... Bill Gates is behind putting the Andhar system from India, and he wants to bring it to the rest of the world. Fauci has taken advantage of a bio, 
bioweapon created in the Wuhan lab to create a profit for himself on our dime, on our, our people dying. And they, they don't care because they're opportunists. Klaus Schwab will eventually tax you from the World Economic Forum because you're putting too much carbon into the air or you're giving too much of a carbon footprint. So we're going to limit your gasoline intake. We're going to limit how much you can travel. And you will be paying taxes one day to Klaus Schwab. That's an opportunist. That's what we have going on. It's the same thing. Same thing. Now watch. Look how Moses passes the test. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? Ah, he's got it right, right? He didn't say my people, your people. These are your people, not mine, right? It's good. Whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. What did he say to Moses that you brought out? No, and so Moses passes the test saying, no, you brought him out. I didn't. Good, Moses, good. Keep going. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them uh, in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Ah, thank you, Moses. You're worried about God's reputation, aren't you? Great. Keep it going. Turn from your fierce wrath, intercession, mediator. That's exactly what God wanted out of him, right? And relent from this harm to your people. Notice what he goes now. He talks about the Abrahamic covenant. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel your servants to whom you swore by yourself, and to say to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and all the land that I have spoken I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit forever. Bingo! He supports the Abrahamic covenant. God bless Moses. He passes the test. But right now, let me show you how the world doesn't pass this test. The big ticket item is whether or not Moses will support the Abrahamic covenant. Because God keeps saying, well, look, I'll kill them all, and we'll start fresh with you. Moses knows that can't happen. It has to be Abraham's descendants, which are the Jews. Okay? And Moses is a Jew. Okay? This is a big-ticket item, because now let's bring it into today. The big issue now in the world is they don't support the Abrahamic covenant. What's going on in Israel and all the prophecy updates about what we saw in Israel, about settlements and building homes and all that stuff, it's Israel's land because of the Abrahamic covenant. They have every right to build on their land. The Palestinians are nothing but squatters. And, of course, Israel takes care of them if they would, if they would stop blowing themselves up in pizza parlors and killing Jews. But the problem is the world doesn't support the Abrahamic covenant. That's why the Biden administration is pushing a two-state solution. That's why all the U.N. is pushing the two-state solution, because they don't respect the Abrahamic covenant. Now let's move to the church. The majority of the church doesn't respect the Abrahamic covenant. Why? Because they teach replacement theology. They think the church has replaced Israel. That can never be. And when you do that, that means you're nullifying the Abrahamic covenant. You're not supporting it. So we get the majority of churches saying it, church is the new Israel and discounting the Jews and then supporting the Palestinians. So what's happened? That's a very evil thing. It's called replacement theology or supersessionism. And it's a non-supportive role of the Abrahamic covenant. Is there a penalty to that? Yes, you will lose rewards. You will lose temporal blessings for that. You have to, as a believer, support the Abrahamic covenant. How, so what does that look like? That means you support the Jewish people and their right to the land. That's it. You have to support that. And so 
with the, inner, uh, the, the mediator of Moses stepping in, stepping up, saying, don't do this, the Lord relented. He forgave them, would not destroy them. Is there going to be consequences? Yes. Now, what's the idea behind Moses being the mediator? Moses is going to be the pattern for every prophet that comes from, from, from Israel. He is the pattern. He is the, the prototype. But Moses is also a typology for the Messiah because the ultimate mediator between God and man is who? Jesus. So Moses, what, what, what God was showing Israel is, look, Moses is going to be a typology for my son one day, that you're going to need an intermediary to protect you from my wrath. And so Moses is that one that steps in and becomes that mediator, predicting future that the Messiah would do the very same thing. So the wrath that was due to you and I, I should just wipe these people out, and God have a right to do that. Messiah steps in and says, no, Father, I'll sacrifice for them, and I'll pay the price for their sins and propitiate your wrath. That's exactly what happened, right? So Moses is pictured as the Messiah type of figure. Anyway, let's watch what happens. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, uh, uh, one, uh, on the uh, one side and the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. So it's clear that God actually wrote with his finger the tablets. Well, you'll see the finger appear of God in uh, Daniel, and then you'll see the finger of God appear in the Gospels. You remember where the finger of God appears? It was writing in the dirt. You can write that story, but it's a, a reminder of the finger of God. Anyway, this, like we said about the stone tablets, there's two stone tablets. The whole Ten Commandments are on the front and the back, and there's two of them, which means in Jewish law, there's got to be two witnesses. So Moses has Ten Commandments on one tablet and Ten Commandments on another, and they serve as a testimony of witness. That's why there's two. So he's bringing them down, and watch what ensues. And then when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, Joshua met him halfway, uh, or he was on the mountain halfway. He said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. Now this singing is not a, 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 a sanctified singing in worship to Yahweh. It is revelry. It is bedlam. It is out of their minds, out of control type of singing, okay? So it was as soon as he came near the camp, this is Moses, he saw the calf and the dancing. The dancing, like we mentioned in the Hebrew, is an erotic dancing, a sexualized dancing, okay? It is as bad as that stupid school board person who took their kids to a gay bar. It's on that level, guys. That's how wicked this is. So Moses' anger became hot. Now, we all know that sometimes Moses will struggle with anger. He hits the rock twice later on, but this is, situation is different. This situation is different. Moses is in total control. He's not, his anger hasn't made him a lunatic, and he's, he's just out of, out of his mind. The reason Moses is showing this anger is he needs to demonstrate Yahweh's anger to Israel. Okay, so they're going to see Yahweh's anger through Moses. So he's approved to have this anger. It's a righteous indignation. 
just like you and I should have against sin, a righteous indignation. You should be angry when they kill babies in, in the mother's womb. You should be angry about that, righteous indignation. That's what Moses is illustrating, okay? But notice what he does. As he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Now, in your movies and stories, as you read this, it seems like he's just so mad and he just loses it and he just throws down the tablets and it's a big mistake that Moses did that. No, it is not. It is cold and calculated what Moses did with the anger. So the anger is to show Yahweh's anger. But why did he break the tablets at that location? It was the place of meeting. It was a place as where every Israelite would come to present their sacrifice to the Lord, to the priest, and the priest would sacrifice this, this right below Mount Sinai. And so this is the place where you met Yahweh in sacrifice. And this is the place where the covenant was made. So it is calculated by Moses that they've already broken the covenant, so he will take the covenant represented by the Ten Commandments and slam them at that place, and it breaks, symbolizing how Israel has broken the covenant, and also symbolizing that the consequences for breaking this covenant means that you will be broken too. That's what it means when he slammed the Ten Commandments. It wasn't some random act. Then Moses, on his own, then he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it in the fire. Now, the calf, obviously, inside would have been wood, and then they overlaid it with gold. So the wood would have burned up, and then the gold melted. But notice this, what happens. And the ground, and ground it, Moses ground it to a powder. So he let the gold cool, and then he, he went after it and pounded it into a powder, and he scattered it in the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Now, what's the deal behind this? So, so, so come with me and imagine what he's doing. He's pounding this into a powder, and where's the water coming from? The water is actually coming from Mount Sinai, from where God is at. This is the water that streams down Mount Sinai across the altar, on the side of the altar, and, and this goes out into the camp of Israel to give Israel water. This is what they're drinking, okay? It comes right from, the Mount, from Mount Sinai. So the water source in which they're drinking, Moses goes and gets this powder and throws it in the water and then says, y'all need to eat it or drink it right now. Drink it right now. And they do. They follow his commands because they know he's hot. So at the end of the day, what is this about? It's this. As they would drink that water coming from God, but it it's, has this this gold that made the golden calf, they would actually drink it and then would go through their, their urinary tract. And because it went through their urinary tract as excrement, it defiled the gold, meaning that gold can never be used again for anything that they can use it for or for Yahweh or building the tabernacle. That gold that they used for the golden calf was given to them by Yahweh when they left Israel, or sorry, uh, Egypt, and he gave them as a plunder that was theirs to have for the promised land and for building the tabernacle. Now that gold is defiled, and they can't use it again. The second aspect of this is he wants them to identify with their sin. You produced a golden calf. I'm going to have you drink the gold, and it's going to be metabolized in your body forever. You are going to own this, Israel, 
because you, I need you to identify with the, your sin. This is part of the consequences. Now, what's the principle, Brandon? The consequences of compromise cause this in us. The very thing that we use to compromise with will be defiled by our use of it. Anything you and I take with us in a compromise will become defiled. Well, how so? Let me use an example of drugs. What you're, if you do drugs, you're going to take your body, your gift, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to take that and defile your body with the drugs. So look at these pictures. These are pe- people who went on drugs, and this is how they end up looking. You see the defilement? 1997, 2008. It's a different person, right? Look at this. Their bodies have now been defiled. They used their body for compromise to do drugs, and now it's defiled. Look at that. Look at this. From 81 to 88. Look at this guy. Look at her. You see what I'm saying? The principle of defilement is used, is seen in the things you use to compromise, you will be defiled. Now, let me make another uh, illustration that's right now with us. If we compromise to these vaccines, you are using your body as an experimental lab. Okay? And you're gonna, if you compromise and use your body to say, well, I want to keep my job, so I'm going to put my body on the sacrificial altar. I'm going to put my body or my kids on the sacrificial altar. I'll let them get vaccinated so they can go to school. You're defiling the thing God gave you, your body, and you don't know what will happen to your body. It's the same principle. You will, be def- you're, you will defile the, the good thing because of compromise. So now when these people have cardiac arrests and blood clots and, and they have uh, neuro problems, heart problems, all these other things, it's because of defiling the body. This is why we put our religious exemption out to say we will not put anything in our body that will defile it. That's what we're talking about. And now we're going to see the come to Jesus meeting. The come to Jesus meeting between Aaron and Moses. Okay, these guys are brothers, okay? So here's what happens. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought them so great a sin upon them? Aaron, what are you doing? They put that much pressure on you that you caved into this? That, that was too much for you? What happened? Watch, you know, watch how Aaron responds to all this. It's, it's not pretty. But I want you to see in Aaron how his compromise is already leading to more defilement. So here's the deal. When someone compromises like this, like Aaron did, the person will then have a reputation of weakness. Aaron, when you think about Aaron, you always remember the golden calf incident that he was the ringleader for this. It was a weakness in leadership, and it stuck with him the rest of his life. Was Aaron forgiven? Yes, but he never could erase this weak leadership. And that's what will happen. This is the leadership we have now in America. Weak leadership. Look at what they have done to our military. 
Now, what's going on with our military? The military has compromised its values to succumb to the agenda of transgenderism, wokeism, whatever you want to call it. And so this is what we produce now. We, we get rid of our, our, our Green Berets, we get rid of our Navy SEALs who refuse to be vaccinated and they don't care, and then we end up with this circus. So when the world looks at us, what do they see? Weakness. This is a circus. When Putin looks at this, what is he thinking? When a rocket man is looking at this, what is he thinking? When Winnie the Pooh sees this, what is he thinking? Right? What are they thinking? America's weak. Its leadership is weak. Now, aside from that, when you go to rocket man's country, North Korea, look what they're producing. Look what they're projecting. Yeah, we're in trouble. Do you see the problem? When you compromise with evil, this is what evil makes you out to be, a laughingstock, weak leadership. Now, the, the junior high karate contest that they were having in North Korea, again, our, 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 our Navy SEALs or anybody else on, in the military can take these guys on. But again, what's the point? It's the projection. What are we projecting out? And we project out what we compromise with, weakness, weakness. So watch what happens, Aaron, real quick. So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. Hey, 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 Aaron, hey, 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 uh, you don't need to call Moses Lord. You're his brother, you're his older brother. And now all of a sudden you say, oh, man, hey, uh, Lord, you know, he's, he's appeasing him through the language. Don't, let, don't become so hot, man. Don't be angry. Come on, you're taking this to a whole new level. You're making this more than what it is. What was I supposed to do? You see what I'm, what's happening here? The person will use flattering language to pacify others' rightful anger and punishment. Okay? This just happened. Our senators got in front and grilled the Attorney General Merrick Garland for him sicking the FBI on parents at school boards saying they're the domestic terrorists. So Cruz, Cotton, and uh, what was the other guy? Cruz, Cotton, and... Uh, who? Yes, Jim Jordan. And there was another guy. Grilled this guy. And this guy, what did he do? Flattering. Oh, man, I'm just playing dumb. I, I didn't know that was in the memo. I didn't see that. I didn't see all these cases. Yeah, you're right. I, I wouldn't have done it. He's doing the same thing Aaron did. So when you see Aaron, you can see the AG of America doing virtually the same thing because the AG has somewhere compromised. Look what he, he continues on. You know the people, Moses. Hey, bro, they're set on evil. You know how they are, Moses. Come on. Give me a break. For they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, who brought him out? Not, not Moses. We do not know what has become of him. Hey, man, you disappeared, dude. You disappeared. We didn't know where you were at. What am I supposed to do? You see what, this, what the problem is here? He was told to wait. Aaron doesn't like the weight, apparently. See, he's corrupted. What is he doing right now? He is a person, when they, when they get corrupted like this through compromise, they will not own anything. They will not take responsibility. They will blame others for the mess they caused or allowed. You want to see a real-world example of someone blaming others for a mess they caused? Right here. Long Beach. 
the ships are stuck out there in Long Beach and can't get offloaded. You will have the most expensive Thanksgiving you have ever seen because of the food shortages and the food prices being driven up because they hate meat and all these other things that you've ordered for Christmas or whatever, all these supplies, all these things, nuts, bolts, whatever that are coming out of China, coming out of Taiwan, coming out of Vietnam, can't unload. Now, when they questioned Jen Pasaki or uh, Jen Pasakerberger, um, what she said is, she said, oh, it, it, this is a, a, an example of a robust economy and people are just buying things left and right and, and they're buying so much, they, they, they can't have enough time to unload the tankers. Liar. You're covering up for the mess that you created. Do you know what mess they created in Long Beach? And rest, basically the supply chain has been shut down. It's because they're paying people to stay unemployed so much so that the truckers don't want to go back to work. Truckers are making 60, 70, 80,000 on unemployment. That's why they're not trucking. Because they were like, why do I need to truck when I make the same amount of money? And this is why people all over the town of Bakersfield won't go to work because they're making as much money as they would working. So your supply chain is being cut off because of Washington extending unemployment. Second thing you want to blame this on, the union down there. The longshoremen's unions are holding everything up. Do you know why? Because Long Beach has said, we need to uh, improve our technology down there and we're going to get more automated stuff, well, guess what automation make, uh, means for someone in a union? You're out of a job. Because when a machine can do your job better and more efficiently, you're out of a job. So the longshoremen are protesting the technology because they don't want to lose their jobs. And they're the ones holding up your supplies going to your home and driving the prices skyrocketing because of the union and because of the White House. It is not because you and I are ordering a bunch of stuff off of Amazon. That is a lie. But see, they, Aaron did it, they do it now. Now check this out, we have gotta leave you with this, but this is the most insane thing I can possibly imagine. You ready for this one? So, Mo, so, so Aaron's arguing, he says, and I said to them, hey man, whoever has any gold, let him break it off. And so they gave it to me, Moses. You know, I'm just a victim in all this, right? And I cast it into the fire, and lo and behold, this calf came out. Are you serious, Aaron? We're going to buy this? The, hey, I'm just a victim. All of a sudden, I got this gold, and we just threw it in, and all of a sudden, this calf jumped out. It was alive, Moses, I, could, I swear. Who built the calf? It was Aaron. It was Aaron who built the calf. And now he's so much covering himself that he's willing just to make up a supernatural story as if something supernatural happened and we don't know how it happened unbelievable but what's happening in culture it's still happening when the person compromises the person will participate in outright and ridiculous lies to cover themselves and the bigger the lie the more people believe it now, Moses, he's not going to be swayed by this. He's going to look at his brother and say, you're an idiot. I can't believe you just said that to me. You, you have insulted my intelligence, Aaron. What are you thinking? But no, it's, but this is what they do. They just make up lies. So guess what? The lie that's coming out that's going to be pushed on everybody is that we're in a climate apocalypse. The, the, the oceans are going to flood our lands. 
the polar caps are going to die, or, or sorry, uh, melt, and the polar bears are going to die, and everything else. We, we've got to save the planet. We've got to save the planet, guys. And we know you would want to save the planet too, right? So the new crisis is going to be the planet, okay? Save the planet creation care. But it's a lie. It's a hoax. Because the agenda is to get more control from people, to get more tax money from you to the UN and the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and everything else. So they're going to come to you with a lie, and they're going to lie because the real agenda is we want to control you. So they're going to control your air. They're going to control what food you eat because they don't want you eating meat anymore. They're going to control how fast you drive, where you drive, if you can cross state lines or not. They're going to control all this, and they're going to say, hey, man, this is for saving the planet. You would want to go into that, right? They're going to moralize it, but what it's doing is taking away your freedom. So what are they going to do? They're making up a ridiculous, berserk thing to get compliance. That's what Aaron tried with Moses. This calf just jumped out. Really? The earth's going to die in, in, in 2030 or whatever. We're just going to just melt up. Liar! Notice the defilement that's happened to Aaron. Notice that now he's blaming people. He's making up ridiculous things by lying. And all the path that it's leading to is showing you that Aaron's compromise is corrupting him. He's evidencing out in the sin that he commits now after the corruption. Serious business, man. Serious business. Let me leave you with a story or a real, real story. We have missionaries here from Malawi. Are they here? Where is Steve and Nora here today? I, they might have come at the other hour. Steve and Nora are here. They're missionaries to Malawi. They've been there for years, years and years and years. But I want to show you something with their lives. They are here on furlough, and they can't get back because Malawi requires a vaccination. And because of principle, because they know what this vaccine's about, because they know all the ins and outs, they refuse to compromise with the vaccine, even to go back to Malawi. Because at the end of the day, guys, if they take the vaccine, they risk dying, okay? We're not, we're not you know, there's a, a certain percentage that die from this. If they die, that means all their ministry stops. So at least they're willing to say, look, I'm not gonna get the vaccine. If I can't go to Malawi, God shut that door, and apparently he's gonna open the door here to do local ministry. That's the attitude. They're willing to sacrifice all their work in order to not compromise. That's the heroes we're looking at. So if you see Steve and Nora, you pat them on the back and thank them for being so brave as to not compromise. Because they know if they compromise, it will tumble into a snowball of other things. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Sunday Sermons. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has recently started a second podcast called the Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for the Anchor Bible Study. 
Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.